Now you might be thinking, what am I listening to? And you might be in some kind of dreamlike state. Uh, this is a soundscape that was written by my guest today, Chris Evans Roberts. And this is an example of the kind of work he does for experiential light shows through his company Ithaca Studio. You can see the video that goes with this soundtrack at videotalks.co forward slash Chris. Unfortunately, we have to leave this beautiful soundscape and get into the interview with Chris to find out just what makes him tick and how paying great attention to audio can really, really transform a visual experience. Run VT. If you think about your work purely in terms of not limiting yourself with software or thinking I'm a video editor, I'm a sound designer, I'm a composer, I'm a light artist, I'm an experienced designer, UX developer, and you just think, what's, what's creatively interesting? Then all sorts of you know, exciting opportunities open up. Hi, welcome to Video Talks. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk to creators and commissioners and everyone in between about the business of video. So welcome to this episode. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, I'd love it if you could. Uh, that way we can keep fresh episodes coming into your feed and you won't miss out on any kind of special offers, special episodes, secret episodes we might do too. So an extra content. So this week I'm talking to a guy called Chris Evans Roberts. Now he started in audio, but has an equal kind of footing in the video world. Basically he produced um, a series of kind of viral videos uh, based on his mixing back in around 2011. That's where we initially came into contact because I was running a film festival um, and I needed some music. I needed some live music. So we chatted. And since then, the viral video content and the viral audio content has kind of turned into branded content. They did a very, uh, a very striking campaign for Mercedes a few years back. So we recorded this interview a while back and like the Tom Box one on episode two, um, I wasn't quite ready to launch the podcast at that point. So I put this on the virtual shelf and it's only today that it gets its first airing. So in this interview, Chris talks about what it takes to build an audio business, uh, how competitive the market is now um, and, you know, what that means for creators in the middle of it. He talks about the exciting stuff that he does with light shows. Uh, they go around the country creating these amazing, beautiful sort of experiential projects where they will use LED light patterns and they will sync that with the music that they've written. 
So it's really exciting, interesting area that he's going into. Um, but it all started really with pairing audio with video and that kind of mixing and projection mapping and that kind of thing. So without any further ado, I'm going to go straight into the interview. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. And please, yeah, hit subscribe so we can keep these episodes coming into your inbox. This interview is recorded on a beach in Brighton before social distancing, way before anything COVID related. So I'm really thrilled to welcome Chris Evans Roberts from uh, Ithaca. Uh, Chris is the founder and managing director of the amazingly innovative audio visual studio Ithaca. I came across Ithaca back in 2011 when Chris set the internet alight with his incredible mashups on YouTube. Just type don't hold back and shaft into Google and see what I'm talking about. From there, more mashups, composing, live events and VJing led to a collaboration with Mercedes, which became a seminal moment in advertising. Ithaca has now moved into sound and light art, creating amazing experiences at venues across the UK and beyond, including, I believe, Kew Gardens and Blenheim Palace. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what's next and get into how Ithaca works with audio and video as one entity. Um, Chris, are you ready to talk video? Yes, definitely. Cool. And audio, obviously. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so I've given our audience a brief overview of your background. Sure. Uh, could you expand a little and give us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I started Ithaca as primarily um, an audio studio. Then slowly it shifted over the years um, to to the point where it's at at the moment, where it's um, a lot larger. And we do a combination of uh, sound and light art, and that uh, covers experiential outdoor uh, events, which people can um, go and experience throughout the year. And we also do that for uh, brands and advertising agencies, um, both as experiences and online and uh, through traditional broadcast media as well. Uh, we still go back to our core, which is creative and innovative sound um, throughout all those different disciplines. Cool. I should say we're, we're, uh, we're down Brighton and Hove Beach because we both live in the area. Um, and we thought, what, what better way to spend a nice summer's evening. Yeah, nice sunny summer's evening while it's here. So, this, Chris, this podcast is called Video Talks. Uh, so please give our audience an insight of how moving image is working for you and your business. Yeah, so I think it's, it's definitely changed over the years. So um, I think uh, a key point in, in our business business is when we um and back then it was just me on my own uh personally looked at the way to work with video and um specifically working with video live um, um in a performance type sense and uh, then filming that and uh and taking that on as a as a stylistic way of interpreting reinterpreting remixing video how that combines with sound um 
and looking at uh, looking at video in different ways than possibly more traditional edit houses um, might do um, uh, what, within the kind of advertising area, and that um, and that's grown, and that's still the case today. But we um, we try and just take a slightly different look at how we can can use video um, and try and uh, try and keep that creative edge. I'm interested though because um, you were. I, I'm not sure if you were tr a traditional composer and you were just really great with editing and video and the live thing. How did that all kind of pan out for you? I, th I think uh, that really came from just an interest personally in, in multiple disciplines. And um, as, a, as a composer and a producer, I was always very... Uh, influenced by technology and actually when it boils down to it audio editing from a technical point of view is not that much different from video editing um, the, the creative aspect is obviously there's a there's a learning curve there you can do things on a laptop you can just um, download a piece of video editing software and um, produce something that's really really slick, creatively really interesting, and uh, the, the, the barrier to entry is, is so much lower. So that's how that jump from audio to video took place, just because it was actually pretty, pretty easy to do at the, at the time, whereas 10 years previously, it probably wouldn't have been. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess for me, the other way, I think I was always interested well always interested in editing but from that i find myself kind of doing sound design and adapting music to fit an edit etc yeah primarily we've always said we're we're audio first um and that's both in terms of i, I guess a creative principle and also in terms of our approach to projects as well so any project that we take on will encourage clients um, to look at the audio before they get to any visual elements because uh, we know that we can craft the visuals um, specifically with audio and I think there comes a it comes a difficulty when you when you're putting together say say an edit and then you're trying to um, match tracks to that um, afterwards we can compose a piece of music knowing how it would be edited to uh, later on, or we can take on a project where sound design is is a such a key component to uh, to the to the project, um, and it really um, kind of goes goes further than just embellishing with the visuals. Um, so, okay, so from what's working to your kind of busy, your biggest obstacles, um, what's what's been your biggest hurdle to achieve to get where you are? I think. <sighs> I think about this a lot and um, at every stage there are, uh, there are different hurdles. One of the biggest ones is, is, is always going to be your first big project, um, getting, getting somebody to, to believe, in, believe in what you're doing creatively and also your technical ability to, to deliver that project. Um, Within a commercial environment, um, especially when there's 
large amounts of money, deadlines, and if you're talking about things like TV broadcasting, then there's um, you know millions of pounds worth of ad spend and and things on the line. So there's um, there's definitely the production element of just getting people to go. Yeah, these people can do the job. We were lucky in for stylistically. Uh, what we did just fitted with um, a particular brand and a particular agency's vision for a campaign at at the right time. Growing a business is, you know, there's the constant um, challenge of creatively keeping ahead of of, um, of everything else that's out there, trying to uh, trying to push boundaries and do new innovative things. Yeah, interesting that you. Um you know, when you're in a situation, you know that you can do the job, you're, maybe you're pitching against other people, like some other agencies. I I have this, this issue with, with kind of this broad pitching now, which is going on with, um, you know, an online companies or online, online platforms putting a brief out via a client and then essentially as many people who want to pitch for it pitch for it what does that mean now you know how how does that leave the creatives you know yeah i think i think it's a really difficult one because in in terms of any project um all creative people producing work have good days and bad days and from an agency point of view there's trying to mitigate that and say okay we can't just look at one person um, because they might might not in this instance pull together what is needed Um, that's often the case in in terms of music because music deadlines on particularly um, advertising projects, which we we've done a lot of, tend to be you know one or two day deadlines. So you, you get you get one shot at it, um, and um, a lot of the time it goes exactly as you intend. And sometimes you know creatively it's it's not your day. And I think everybody everybody knows that. A lot of the time um, we'll. Uh, or say, you know, how many people are in the pitch. And um, if, it's, if, if it's too high, then we'll weigh up whether that's, that's worthwhile or not. Um, what we do a bit more of these days is going into agencies and production companies and straight to, straight to brands themselves and, and, and just pitch our skill set um, to them and say, you know, have us in mind for, for your next project um, yeah um, kind of back to your back to your DNA where did this kind of desire come from to get into onto the psychology couch <laughs> I think um, I I was always I was interested in music from a young age and uh, studied music so I was a jazz trained saxophonist um, that's cool. Which I still still do bits of. Play Baker uh, Street. No, oh, no, on jazz. Is it? <laughs> on demand. <laughs> um, so yeah, that 
came through, but also um, it was kind of instilled in me um, a, a desire to push myself and achieve um, um, and see see what what I could do in in a particular situation to um, to get the most out of um, what was on offer. And I think that's come through both creatively and in terms of uh, a business um, attitude as well. Also always been a pretty laid back person which I think helps in this kind of industry because there's a there's a lot of um, a lot of hard work a lot of late late nights going through into early mornings and a, a, a large amount of stress that um, you have to have to learn to cope with I think when I got to university uh, I did a degree in uh, digital music and sound art um, and that was a very open course so it allowed allow me to do music but also um, electronics and uh, elements like that and look at performance and um, and take a more philosophical approach to to, to the whole aspect of, of music and performance along with doing bits of building instruments and uh, things like that. So then, then that very slowly started to, to creep in, into the professional work as well. And it, it, it wasn't a conscious decision, but just suddenly started getting asked to do with the music, maybe do a few kind of, um, do some music for this live event, um, uh, do you know any developers who can help you know make it interactive and things like that and then that that went on from there and we found that to be really you know, really interesting it's slightly a slightly freeing thing to get out of the studio and be able to to um to take audio into a into a different realm from um a two-dimensional screen yeah you, you mentioned developers you did get involved in doing interactive um, video. I'm not sure what platforms you might have used or, or did you work with a developer to do that? Um, yeah, so that was, um, that started off as, as an experiment where a YouTube feature, which now doesn't exist, um, was uh, the annotation feature where you could annotate videos and uh, link through to other videos. Just We just like, coming up with ideas and think how could that be used not for its intended purpose and so we designed a sort of create your own adventure um, remix tool in YouTube to create a mashup um, of lots of different film scenes with bits of music and people could click through and each time it adds a different video so it's this giant spider's web of um, video and music um, and you by the end of it, you actually felt like you'd you'd created something um, through the through the process of, of choice, and then yeah, we we got involved with developers to build that into an HTML five um, five version uh, for a for an advertising campaign, and um, looked at different ways we could do bits and pieces like that as well, and like music videos would start coming out like. Um, that arcade fire one was around the same time where you typed in your postcode and it's and it was a kind of bespoke music video to your to your um i think it was 
was it the town where you were born in or something like that yeah it was, yeah. It was really nice and and he just started getting this uh, idea that uh, it's not just about you know showing a showing a video that has been kind of filmed and um and then a, a soundtrack put on it or kind of vice versa and then displayed online you can start doing some really interesting creative things with the, with the medium itself what's been your kind of luckiest break and luckiest break is not it's it's obviously come from hard work but what's been you know the right place at the right time moment i think um on uh the advertising film work that we do um the audio work um first campaign we did for mercedes benz through amv um that was definitely a big break for us um because it was a campaign that uh, the brand really got behind um and it had an online interactive element it had um uh, it had a good budget for um, uh, content that we were then remixing and reusing in lots of different ways. It um, um, had a you know a really good creative team who had a kind of good vision for it. I mean that that has got your signature all over it. That campaign has yeah, it? yeah, and and that was and that was great, and that's built a really strong um, relationship with a, a creative team of that agency um, and we've got, gone on to do other work with them um, on, on a number of things and uh, we most recently we did um, one of the one of the latest Guinness ads as well which was um, was a great one kind of having grown up watching iconic Guinness ads on TV and seeing you know music being such a part of it um, the horses coming out of yeah, the sea as, as we look out to waves yeah <laughs> amazing cgi yeah um and yeah kind of see seeing that come together so so that was great and then yeah the the installation um side um working with um with a great production company behind um the work at kew gardens i think the first um the first idea that we had for a project there and um, they really uh, took that on. Uh, okay, so talking about... This is an interesting question because you're kind of talking about two industries in a way, audio and, vis and video. Um, how has the industry changed in the time that Ithaca has been going? Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even though I, I talk about them as separate industries, I think... Um, the way you're looking at it at the end of the day it's all it's all creativity and entertainment um whether that's um as an event experience or whether it's as uh, trying to entertain someone through a 30 second tv ad or you know an online interactive um interactive feature um for a brand at the end of the day it all boils down to the, the same creative drive and um, and kind of really varying technical skill sets as well, which I, th I think that's that's a part which has changed massively. I think um, I see the the siloing of those particular skills um, becoming um, 
less um, less important where you would have kind of yeah, yeah edit houses would work with your sound post-production who would work with you know your um your video production team and um actually um, when you get combinations of those skills i think that's where some of the most interesting stuff is happening at the moment where you've got an animator who's also a sound designer or um or a you know a kind of one one man kind of run and gun video guy who also you know it has some like crazy post-production grading skills and can can actually shoot knowing how it's then going to be taken further along in the process it's it's sort of getting less about big players in the industry and more um more about just creativity so i think if you've got a real creative eye um you can apply that to lots of different areas a lot more easily than than you used to be able to yeah the gig economy has it has empowered individual people you know the the the, the democratization of creativity yeah. in, with, by tools yeah there are two ways to look at it in, in my view i think there's there is a kind of there's a is it taking creativity away from people yeah you know and democratizing it so much that there will be a lot of bad design yeah and bad creativity yeah um across the board and will that become the norm you know yeah, will people yeah. expect that because people who didn't spend their whole life being creative suddenly can be creative with the tools yeah. and you know create a generic yeah whatever um or is it such a positive thing like you like your kind of um vision of it is very much more sounds a lot more beautiful organic <laughs> you know that you're sort of you're empowering the those different those multi-skills of those people yeah i i, I think that yeah there's definitely two ways of looking at it you can say in one essence, it's um, it, it means there aren't the barriers in the same way to entry that there might have been like a, a decade or two ago, just purely from you know money and equipment. Um, so theoretically, it should be a meritocracy um, in terms of you know, who's producing the best work. In actual reality don't think that's the case and you do um in a lot of instances it can then promote a sort of race to the bottom um certainly in terms of a commercial sense um that if you've got 200 people willing to do um, the same job and they can you know they can do it relatively um in a relatively similar manner then you know what's just to stop someone picking the cheapest person if they're going to be if, if it's going to be the same but i think that sort of um that sort of attitude that sort of way of looking at it occupies the, the middle ground and so i think the the democratization of creativity is great in terms of breaking in at the start then it gets very difficult in the middle because you realize you you've broken into a very crowded space but then I think the key to that is um, 
it's what it's always been is is just being unique and being able to um, deliver a product or a service that other people can't or other people can't in the same way or don't have the same stylistic approach or um, there's something that that sets your work apart which um, which can't be done by 10 other people for half the price. You could get a teenager on his laptop to edit this uh, on a decent powered um, uh, modern uh, piece of um, editing software in their bedroom but at the end of the day, if you're looking at a commercial project with you know millions of pounds of advertising spend, what happens if they get a virus and haven't backed it up? Uh, it's an interesting thing about audio that I've always, you know, I used to run the film nights. Yeah, yeah. I always used to believe that you could you could show a blank screen, a black screen, as long as as long as you had engaging audio. You know, like it's been done, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's not as powerful showing a silent film with no audio. Yeah. You know, it's just not. It's just like we've all seen those silent films yeah, from like yeah. the 1920s without any music or anything. Yeah. It's But if you have an amazing sound design, yeah. you can look be looking at a blank screen and think, what is going on on that screen? Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time, you know, that 50% or maybe it's 60% of the experience is, is neglected to an extent and that that goes for some of the short films that we used to get in you know submitted yeah. you know people would shoot this thing and yeah. it would be utterly let down on the sound yeah. quality you know yeah and i think that that is just that's a point to probably yeah i think cover. i think um that's one of one of the things both creatively cause it, it, talking about filmmakers as well a lot of the time filmmakers come from a visual background and a desire to to make something visually um, unique we're so used to high quality audio um, in in everything and we're so used to an audio standard um, and the audio standard is for for the most part if it's good you don't notice it um, and if it's bad you do and so certainly a lot of short films and I mean, even even kind of feature length films and a, a lot of commercial work as well, where that hasn't been given the right level of thought, um, then it, it just jumps out at you and it's, it's kind of like black and white. And there's all sorts of interesting um, elements of, you know, psychology um, involved in that and um, our preconditioning over you know, um, generation, certainly in Western uh, society of, you know, what is happy music, what is sad music, what um, emotional strings can you pull on and uh, all these different elements which come with you know, the synchronization of, um, of video and audio. I mean, so sometimes it's quite easy to overlook just in a quality sense, but also, you know, a, a subtlety sense as well. Well, it's a complete, completely fascinating, the the whole psychology behind sound i don't i understand it but I don't, you know it's it, uh, you kind of understand it from or i understand it from a very subjective point of view and i suppose that's the point lots of people so what is a sad yeah what is a sad tune what is a happy but, tune but then it's 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 like the thing where people say um oh i'm tone deaf or i you know i can't well, 
I, I can't sing, but people say, people say they're tone deaf. But if you can listen to music and you can understand music, you, I mean, that's a whole load of complex processing that's going on um, throughout, your, throughout your ear and your brain. And, you know, that's a, an incredible thing that um, we all share and we all have that ability to interpret those things and, and draw on kind of emotions that they might they might uh, bring out as well. Just made me think of the sound design in Dunkirk. Mm. Um, you've seen that film where they use, um, it's called a shepherd tone, where um, it's, a, it's, it's a, it was discovered, I can't remember when, but a, as, as a scientific principle, you can layer sine waves um, and take out the, the bottom layer of the sine wave as you add, fade in a top layer frequency on top and you get this ever-increasing tone which sounds like it's rising constantly and throughout the last half hour of the film there's you just listen to it there's this constant slow rising tone all the way through and the um that's a really unsettling thing uh, to to listen to for that long so and creates, it, it and creates it, that tension. It creates this huge tension, and and then it's really cleverly interweaved with the sound of like diving bombers and uh, and the uh, and uh, all, all the sounds kind of meld together in, in a really really nice way. And that's just like all, all these little interesting things that you can do. Oh well, next time it, I watch it, yeah. I'll, obviously, I know what's going to happen again. Yeah, but um, I will be looking for that. Yeah. But then it's 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 done really well. You kind of forget about it as well. Like even if you, I went, I went into the cinema knowing that that was going to happen, and you, you just, uh, uh, yeah, you zone out of it. So uh, just just very quickly on the business of video. Mm. So all the business of audio. Yeah. Whatever. You, is there a formula for a successful business in a in a in a paragraph? Um, in a formula. Um, 10, 20 years ago, there might have been. And um, if you're talking about a formula for a successful audio company, video production company, um, film company, things like that, you could take a look at the models were quite similar across the board. Um, in the, you know, the realm for IMAT, it would be you need a premises in Soho you need a few million pounds in terms of startup money, a lot of equipment, and um, you need a big booze budget um, for for clients. Um, and um, the golden days are over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think the um, it's uh, these days. It's all about finding niches and about um, about innovating and. And by its very nature, that doesn't that doesn't come with a set model behind it. Okay. Second question: Business of video. How important is the workplace environment for you and your staff? It is important. Yeah, I think um, I, I say that um, as our knowing that our workplace, um, as we're starting some experiential projects at the moment, is filled up with cabling and speakers and lighting equipment um so it's um slightly chaotic of a moment but um i think you've 
you've got to have um, the space for people to do do their work and do their work well, and that um, that comes down to not just space and equipment, but you know, working culture as well, and allowing people the freedoms um, to make creative decisions um, for themselves, um, make mistakes as well, um, and be able to you know, guide guide people through a process. And that, I think, as you you kind of progress uh, a lot more of the role comes um, as a as a director of a company um, as a creative company goes into you know how you guide and shepherd other people within the company and you kind of strategize that and and sets set a tone um, would you say the location is key coming from running a business and a creative business from Brighton, which is not exactly far away from what would be that traditional hub of uh, the Soho media world. Um, at the time, when I started, felt a long way from it. Um, but um, I think it's mattering less and less, as long as you can do something that is um, you know, creatively exciting people worry less about where where you're based so chris ithaca is known for sound and light art mm -hmm. experiential design essentially um mashups ads you do a lot of work for brands yeah if you were giving a, a brand advice um about how they could use video effectively what would you say it's quite a broad question but how can they how can they harness the you know the things that you're talking about the kind of the innovation the interactivity perhaps the audio side of things the experiential side of them yes yeah. i think a lot of that is about being being bold um from from a client point of view is is looking at, at potentials and then you know having a confidence to to run with something that is not necessarily safe um it might be out of out of a comfort zone um uh, but has the potential to be you know spark a lot of interest all sorts of new technologies that are coming on coming along in terms of um how we consume video but um it, that can lead to its own kind of bandwagoning effect as well where it's you know people are wanting to do something and saying oh we have to have vr or ar as an aspect of this you know, but that's not that's not driven by a by a creative um process that's um you know you, you should you should start from the ground up and look at it and go okay what's what visually are we trying to convey what um what in terms of audio is exciting what's um what's creatively going to be unique and interesting rather um, than the brand next door is doing yeah VR. doing vr we, we should get involved in that we need to get involved in that and do 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 something along those lines i think um and i think actually reaching reaching out to um out to companies like we we have the best results when 
agencies and brands just come to us and say, you know, what's exciting? What what do you think about we're we're looking at um, we've got this campaign, we're looking to try and do something like this. We put some ideas together and um, have a think about it rather than you know, um, trying to silo off and own that process um, quite so much. I think um, a little bit of openness um, uh, could, can al- allow some really exciting ideas to come come up which might not necessarily within a in a more traditional kind of shoot edit audio process um of of the commercials world at any rate okay Um, this is a very quick fire round it's called scrub forward okay if you don't want to answer you just say scrub okay right so video nasty what's the worst habit you see people practice in well, it's kind of like audio nasty. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the worst habit you see people practice in audio? I would say emotional porn, where it's just um, slapping on uh, something just to tug at your heartstrings, where it doesn't have, it, it really shouldn't. And, and it's quite easy to do. You can make. You can make people feel overwhelmingly sad in 30 seconds if if you want to, but you know, without a really lasting impact. So when uh, when you're talking about any kind of struggles or failures, I'm going to like run some violins over yeah. that. Yeah. A bed of violins. Yeah. So this question is is basically VR, AR, or mixed R. Yeah. Preference. I think. Um, I think it, I have the same answer to that that most people have. Having tried the technologies, you see the huge potential in them, but they haven't haven't matured yet. Um, and you sort of wonder how long it's going to take because if it's taken this long, lawnmower um, man, yeah, nineteen ninety, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, it's it's huge potential, especially you know VR for sound is. Um, has incredible potentials when you're talking about technologies like ambisonics and um, 3D spatialization in sound and how you can really create immersive environments. In in terms of the VR VR world, if you you can um, create a, an immersive 3D sound of, of that world and you can walk around it and, and right, it, it uses um, you know, kind of high end. Um, algorithms to be able to go okay well if that sounds 20 meters over there if i move towards it and then move right on a pair of stereo headphones how how is this how is the signal going to be different in each year to trick my brain into thinking that that's actually happening so there's some some fascinating advances there which um i think are, are going to lead to incredible things but in the same way they're isolated experiences. Um, one thing we love as a company is, is collaborative experiences, building exp- outdoor um, or even you know, indoor experiences where a thousand people can have that shared experience. Um, so I, I don't think it's gonna take, take over the world in a way that you know, everybody's just going to be plugged in 100% of the time, but um, 
It's well, I mean, look exciting. around you, you know, there's plenty of people who, although they've got their phones in their pockets, they're just <laughs> enjoying the sea yeah. and, a, and a bit of barbecued meat. A bit of barbecue. And a chat. Sunset on the horizon. Yeah. Um, okay, stop, pause, play. Yeah. One thing you always do, one you sometimes do, one you should never do. Something always do is try and uh, formulate a plan, have an end goal in mind, um, rather than just dive into things. Sometimes do experiment. It's I think it's really good just to take a step back from how you're how you're producing your work and look at different ways um, you can do things look at look at new technologies how you can break things how you can make things do do things that they're not intended to do um, uh, to come up with interesting results something never do <laughs> put things off I think starting out in any industry you can say well in a year's time when, when my skills are a bit better or I've saved up and I've got this piece of equipment or, um, or you know, I've moved into this new studio or all these things, there, there are always a lot of excuses for, for why you're not kind of taking that leap into, into doing, doing what you want to be doing. And usually you can, you can look at what you've got and um, think about for most most interesting thing that you can do at that point in time with what you've got and 99% of the time that's enough uh, okay give us one secret audio tip think about the audio from the start <laughs> I think uh, is from any process and if that's film you know thinking about the quality of location recording um, like if, this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and I mean, just 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 things like I mean, worked on projects where someone hasn't held a boom mic properly throughout an entire shoot, and you just go, okay, well, there's an awful lot of work to be done just to bring this up to a standard where you can sort of get to the creative parts of the job rather than um, rather than fixing issues and stuff like that, and that's not. That's not to do with expensive equipment and things like that. That's just to just to do with you know, planning and careful forethought into into different areas. Well, that is a good tip. Like, don't fix it in post. Do it <laughs> yeah. in yeah, real life. Do it in real life. Cool. Okay. What's next for Ithaca? What's your kind of vision of the future? We've combined um, the company into into one. Um, one entity as it, as it is uh, which is a, a mix of uh, production work creative experimental work lots of R&D in terms of developing um, new projects for um, experiences and both and for our um, advertising commercial and film work as well and being open to um, open to new areas um, you know, you, I think if you think about your work purely in terms of okay, not limiting yourself with software or thinking I'm a video editor, I'm a sound designer, I'm a composer, I'm a light artist, I'm an 
experienced designer, UX developer, and you just think, uh, what's what's creatively interesting? Then um, then all sorts of you know, exciting opportunities open up. Yeah, well, that's cool. So, what is next for you? You we're working a lot on our. Um, outdoor experiences, um, our, our light art combines with our, um, the sound design and composition that comes into that and trying to create, um, yeah, trying to create unique experiences that people haven't seen before. Um, a lot of that then comes in into the kind of arts world, but we're also doing that a bit more for our, um, clients who we've, we've done traditionally, you know, more traditional media, um, TV and um, radio work for, and now we're seeing a lot more interest in you know, pop-up events and um, different ways you can take a, a brand experience and and create something with with sound and sp- specifically uh, light um, is a big focus of ours at the moment. Well, it seems like you're doing you're on the right track. Um, how do you how do people connect with you if they if you if they want to connect with you? So our um, our website is Ithaca Studio, and that's I T H A C A. That's across all social channels as well. Ithaca Studio. Yeah, they can uh, get in touch through the through the website as well, and all my contact details from there. Was it a conscious thing to use the URL Studio and have it across the board yeah so um one thing being a company that works across multiple disciplines and um multiple different media um both kind of uh, screen-based media and experiences and things is actually conveying that to new clients and uh the company um was started as Ithaca Audio, then we had Ithaca Visual, which was our video editing element, then we had Ithaca Experiments, which was more of our R&D kind of outdoor um, stuff. And um, yet we just um, realized this isn't actually what we what we do, is we, we take all of those elements and we put them all into one. So. Um, our working practice is really we're just a we're a creative studio um with with particular um focuses um it's how we like to look at ourselves well that's a, that's a really interesting tip for yeah. people um because i think that is it is quite difficult to introduce yourselves yeah. to new clients yeah a quick plug for anything you're up to at the moment uh so we're working on about 10 um multi-channel light and sound installations uh, across the UK um, throughout the winter and those take a lot of development and uh, R&D we've got um, a series of um, sort of replica Victorian lampposts um, but with a very sci-fi edge um, as a multi-channel light and sound experience yeah a really really nice mix of bits and pieces brilliant well Chris, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's it's been to spend delightful the, the sunset yeah. with you yeah, on Brighton been, Beach. It's been great, um, and we'll look out for. Um, thanks so much for yeah, thanks for having me. Chatting been, to been, me, been fantastic. And, uh, if we ever do a live event, then I'll definitely get you along. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, thanks. Thank you. 
Well, thanks again to Chris Evans-Roberts for that brilliant interview. Uh, he really is uh, an audio powerhouse of just technical genius. I think he's he's just got it going on in all departments there. So if you want to check out what we were talking about, some of those videos, the early mashups, the Mercedes ads, some of the light shows, uh, footage, then that will all be on the show notes. If you go to videotalks.co forward slash Chris, that will be on there. And it was interesting talking to Chris about uh, some of the audio issues, you know, not forgetting audio, like using audio as a kind of priority and thinking of audio first, which is actually one of the things that Hazraf Dalal mentioned in the previous episodes, the two-parter, which was episode six and seven, worth a visit if you haven't already listened to those because they are full of filmmaking gold, basically. If you're an independent filmmaker, uh, there are loads of tips about self-promotion and marketing your your work in that. So that uh, you can find that at videotalks.co forward slash has H-A-Z. Anyway, in the meantime, um, if you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe. It would be great to have you on board and we can make sure you get future episodes. Uh, so one last thing before you go. Um, if you are a filmmaker, animator, creator, and you have a project that you want to shout out about on the podcast, then drop me a note at andy at videotalks.co um, with what you want to do and we'll try and sort it out for you. All we ask in return is for a subscribe and to basically listen to the podcast. So that's coming next week. Uh, until then, I hope you have a good one and I'll see you on the next Video Talks. Cheers. Cheers.